Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Steve Rosenblum. We suck, so your self-quarantine doesn't have to. Mark Grody. I think there will be lasting derivatives of this once we get through it, and hopefully we will. Um, with minimal damage, that um, people will be more aware, honestly, of washing their hands and um, Good thing. and apparently wiping. Apparently wiping. They suck, so you don't have to. They can do what they have to do. They know what they have to do. Now they don't have any problem getting it done. Founding members of the WB Club. Wake and they come on. Where's Toby? So I'm practicing, you know, social distancing, and I have a few tips for everybody, you know. You know, no sharing pipes or joints, things like that. The three words that describe this show, and I quote. Stink. Stank. Stunk. It's Saturday Suckage on the score. We should be 670 WSUK. Good morning and welcome in. Saturday Suckage. We're here from 11 till 12.45, taking you up to Cubs pregame, Cubs baseball, Cubs against the Royals, Keegan Thompson as your starting Cubs pitcher. So let's let's take Saturday Suckage attendance. Grobber. It sucks and it freebases. Mike Tomlin. Uh, sucking. Don Cooper. They all suck. Jake Arietta. This sucks. Really, it does. Brian Cashman. I also know that we suck right now. Albert Almora. Damn, Willie, man, like, do we suck? Pat Fitzgerald. Sometimes you got to embrace the suck. You know, I mean, we're, we're bad. You got to embrace it. Mark Grody. Mark Grody. Bueller. Bueller. Man. All right. Grody's not here. This is solo suckage. Grody is out at the Bears game, working the sidelines for our brother station, WBBM, 780 AM and 105.9 FM. The Bears and the Bills in the second 
preseason game. And, and of course, we need to start with Mr. Cranky Pants, score senior NFL Ubermacher Habarkish. He tweeted this this morning. I don't know who's responsible for traffic control outside slash around Soldier Field. Park District, CPD, Bears, etc. But can you please tell your people their job is to move traffic, not screw it up? Way to go, Hub. All right, so this is the matchup nobody wanted. Andy Dalton, Mitch Trubisky. And so there's been a whole bunch of talk. Who's, you know, like, who's going to get booed worse? Who's going to get booed more? Dalton, Trubisky, maybe Nick Foles. He got a good amount of booing last week. So if you're, let me ask you this. If you're going to go to the game, are you going to boo Mitch? If you were going to the game, would you boo Mitch Trubisky? Or would you boo Andy Dalton and why? Phone number is 312-644-6767. That number will also get you to the Tech Zone. It's brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at RosenHyundai.com. We're broadcasting from the Score Hyundai Studios, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. And, and it is the game nobody wanted. Nobody wants to see Mitch Trubisky. Nobody wants to see Andy Dalton. Everybody wants to see Justin Fields and all the Justin Fields you can eat. But the talk was, if, if you're going to the game, should you boo Mitch Trubisky? Well, Tariq Cohen heard it, and he tweeted out yesterday, if you boo Mitch tomorrow, you a lame and a weirdo. Okay. Well, there's a guy who's still protecting a former teammate. If you boo Mitch tomorrow, you a lame and a weirdo. So I have a reason why you, you the, the, the reason you can boo Mitch Trubisky because he was bad. You can boo, boo Mitch Trubisky. Basically, he's a proxy. He's a proxy for Ryan Pace. As bad as he was, inaccurate as he was, as lousy in the pocket, as horrible reading coverages as he was, he, he wasn't horrible enough to get Bears GM Hayden Ryan Pace fired. But Ryan Pace doesn't show up anywhere to get questioned, doesn't show up anywhere to get booed. And to me, boos of Mitch Trubisky, at Mitch Trubisky, he's going to be starting for the Bills, he's going to get out onto the field, his name will be announced, and that's like, that's like booing Ryan Pace for me because Pace isn't around to boo. I don't think he ever should have been allowed to draft another quarterback. George and Ted are goofs, and Hyden Ryan Pace was, was given the chance. And he traded up to get a guy who looks like a quarterback, like he will be a great quarterback. However, you're now dealing with Bears GM Hyden Ryan Pace failing to account for an offensive line, especially at the most important position, left tackle, both tackles actually, that can protect the quarterback. And, and then you look at Andy Dalton, it's almost as though they're building this offensive line like they're trying to get Dalton hurt so they have a reason to put in 
Justin Fields. I don't think that's the case. They're not looking to get their, not actually the case. They're not looking to get their free agent quarterback hurt. However, I don't know who, the fans wouldn't be bothered if Andy Dalton were to suffer an injury and needed to go down after the first, needed to go out after the first play today. I think that would be huge. That would bring huge cheers. That would be all the Justin Fields you can eat. And if there is a matchup you want to see, it's Justin Fields versus Mitch Trubisky, right? Isn't that it? A15 texter. The better question is, will there be a Mitch video tribute? Yeah, all of, all of his quality plays from the pocket. That's it. And again, if you, you, you can boo Mitch Trubisky because he wasn't good enough. He didn't draft himself second. He didn't trade up for himself he, to, to, to give away all the draft capital. That was Ryan Pace. I view that as trading the, the, the draft capital that Pace traded for. And, and also, if you go back and look at all the comments and look at the way it came down, when Ryan Pace did show up to answer for Mitch, to talk about drafting Mitch Trubisky, you're dealing with a guy who played you, the Bears fan, for stupid. And here's how. When, when you have Matt Nagy talking about, I need Mitch to be the master of all coverages. And you have Ryan Pace evaluating Mitch at the end of a season saying he was impressed by his accuracy and his ability to process things. He's playing you for stupid. You as the Bears fan are being played for stupid because there's Ryan, Ryan Pace, Hayden Ryan Pace is just lying. He's lying or stupid. There's no way that's true. Mr. Trubisky was not accurate. Mr. Trubisky could not process anything. They had to cut the field in half for him. They had to have him roll out. They had to give him a narrow focus. He couldn't read coverages. He could read where Allen Robinson was going. That was it. And so often, no matter who the offensive coordinator was, they the play caller, they put him in the pocket and he can't play from the pocket. Ryan Pace just played you for stupid. He's playing you for stupid now. When has he answered for what he's done to the tackle position? What, what does he have to say about drafting Tevin Jenkins, who had a back problem, now needs surgery, they drafted a guy who was going to change positions from right tackle, where he played the majority of his college career, but missed the last three games of his college career with a lumbar strain, and move him to the most important position on the offensive line, that of protecting the quarterback's blind side. He was supposed to be moved to left tackle, and he's hurt. And that's what you do in a year where you're going to draft a quarterback and you're going to sign a free agent quarterback and you're going to get you're going to let Leno leave. And and this was a guy who whatever you thought of him, whether he was good enough or not, he was there. Football coaches always say the best ability is availability. Leno was there. Leno started Leno started over nine uh, over 90 90, 90 games, was it? 95% of the snaps. He played over 95% of the snaps. He was there. He showed up. Now you've had, what, six, seven 
guys showing up. Oh, let's try him at left tackle. Let's try him at left tackle. Let's, you know, Jimbo Cobra just went to the Hall of Fame. They may try him at left tackle. It's just, it's just amazing that you, you, this is all, this is similar for those of you who lived through the Jay Cutler era. Jay Cutler was brought in. He had all this talent, all this excitement. He had a big arm and grew up a Bears fan, Santa Claus, Indiana, and, and all that. And then everybody started making excuses for him. But the first excuse was, when are you going to get a line to protect him? And he was sacked 10 times in the Giants game and probably concussed on half of them. And finally, somebody dribbled him on his head and he was out of the game. But that's what we're looking at now. And the Bears' Ryan Pace has not come out to answer how he could leave his quarterbacks the free agent quarterback to whom he promised a job inexplicably again, Mike Glennon part two, and to the quarterback he just drafted that everybody wants to start and they want to see, and that's where you are with Ryan Pace. That's where you are with the Bears. Nobody's answering. 563 Texter, Mitch did absolutely nothing to deserve to be booed except come on and do the best and do the job he was hired to do to the admittedly subpar best of his ability while being hamstrung by a front office and a head coach. Well, we don't know if he was really being hamstrung by a head coach. We think so, because this head coach who supposedly had a lot of success in initial tutoring of Patrick Mahomes and Patrick Mahomes is now the blueprint for what they want Justin Fields to do and be. Matt Nagy's shown a, a tremendous, tremendously painful inability to adapt. He can't, he doesn't seem to be able to call the plays for the game that's there. He doesn't seem to coach the players who are there. What everybody knew about Mitch, what everybody saw about Mitch didn't matter because Matt Nagy had his set of plays his little scrapbook, his whatever plays he wrote down on cocktail napkins, on, on the Denny's menu, and, hey, this is a needle play. Let's do this. Hey, let's color this one in. Let's make this a kaleidoscope. And they didn't, they weren't tailored to the guy who's actually playing quarterback. And guess what? Matt Nagy wasn't there when, when Pat Mahomes got on the field a lot. And the last time we saw Matt Nagy calling plays for that for Pat Mahomes' team, it was in the playoffs, and he did not know how to call plays for the game that was there, and they lost a playoff game at home. So that's the guy that Hayden Ryan Pace, the Bears GM, that's the guy who's here now, and there's Justin Fields. And if you don't have an offensive line, you're relying on, on Andy Dalton to subvert Matt Nagy's play calls by getting rid of the ball in a hurry. I don't know if he'll have three steps. You don't know what this offensive line's going to, what's going to be when teams start game planning for them. But if you have problems with tackles, you have problems. Let's go live to Soldier Field. We'll take a break here on Saturday Suckage. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde is at Soldier Field. We will talk with Chris Emma live from Soldier Field. We'll talk to him about the matchup nobody wanted, Trubisky-Dalton, and anything else that shapes up what has transpired, who's not dressing for this game, so who might these quarterbacks, both Dalton and Fields, not 
have to throw to or not have on their side. And we'll ask him about Mitch Trubisky. Can the Bears' defense really afford to look bad against this guy, even though they didn't game plan for him? I'm Steve Rosenblum. Thanks for listening. Saturday suckage. I will have to suck, so you don't have to. I think I'm capable of it. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago Sports Station. Snap back for man rush. Fields hangs in there. Starts to close. He leaves the pocket. Ejects left to the 10, to the 5. Bulls into the end zone for the touchdown. Touchdown Bears. Penalty marker far side of the field, though. Holding on Miami. Put it on the board, baby. Justin Fields, <laughs> an eight-yard touchdown run. And they're on their feet at Soldier Field. 13-9 Miami. Jeff Joniak on the call, Tom Thayer on the chuckle, WBBM 780 AM, 105.9 FM, our brother station at Odyssey. We go to the Scores Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. We go live to Soldier Field where we find Chris Emma, score reporter. Chris, has Mitch Trubisky been booed yet? Rosie, good to be with you. Uh, not yet. I- I'm curious what the reception will be. I certainly don't think it'll be a standing ovation, but I also don't think it'll be overwhelming booze. Uh, a tepid reception in return for the Bears. Former, former starter, now in these back with the Bills as their backup. Okay, so the matchup nobody wanted, Andy Dalton and Mitch Trubisky. And I made the case <laughs> earlier that I, that I asked the question, who get booed worse? And And... My contention of booing Mitch is, look, he did what he did. He was he was limited as a player. He probably still is. He's limited as a as a as somebody who's able to adjust and grow in the game because we haven't seen that. Uh, he he never he was not accurate the way the general manager said. He could not read coverages the way the general manager said when he was treating Bears fans for stupid. So my contention was this: booing Mitch Trubisky is not. Maybe not fair to Mitch, but it's the best you can do to voice your dissatisfaction with Bears GM Hayden Ryan Pace. I just think it's on him, and that's the way it goes. Yeah, look, I mean, here's the thing with Trubisky. Like, I think he did his best. He put everything he could into this. Everything I heard throughout my time of covering him from teammates who knew him really well was that he was often the first guy in and the last one out. Like, that's the cliche you hear, but, like, he was literally often the last player out the door. Like, he worked long hours inside Hallis Hall, committed himself to being the best that he could, and I think he maxed out his potential in a Bears uniform. Like, if you want to boo somebody, unless Ryan Pace is going out there to the 50-yard line today, uh, I, he's the guy who should be booed. He's the one who made that pick. Uh, but at the same time, he bought himself new life, and I think he's got a little bit of new uh, respect from this fan base with Justin Fields and the excitement that follows him. So, look, it's kind of an awkward return for Trubisky. Granted, he was there on the field with a bunch of his teammates. He's still very close with many of those Bears players. So um, I know he's got a great reception from the players he used to line up with, and I think he'll get some cheers. I think he'll get some respect from this fan base because I think most people realize that he did what he could and it just didn't work out. My guest is Chris Emma. He's joining us on Saturday's Suckage. He's live from Soldier Field, Bears Bills, at the top of the hour. So, Chris, this week, Justin Fields had a groin issue. Cole Komet had a hamstring injury. 
And Eddie Goldman suffered a back injury, and Tevin Jenkins is gone for who knows how long. Who's not dressing today? Who's playing? Who's not? What what what's important based on the inactives and the actives? You know, Rosie, before coming on, I checked with the team's PR staff to see if they could rule anybody out. The team declined to say it. They, they did not release that information for preseason games. I heard murmurs that it could be a limited role for players like Darnell Mooney and Allen Robinson, but I also understand that Matt Nagy wants to get reps for Andy Dalton with his top receivers. And uh, so it's not quite clear at this point, uh, and we'll see what happens when they get out there. I do know you mentioned Eddie Goldman. He's out there on the field. Uh, our Mark Grody spotted him running through warm-ups. Um, we'll see about the rest of these guys. The priority now is about health. It has to be about health. And we've seen this team for just a few weeks into training camp really beat up. Like, you have to really write out this injury report and go deep into it just to get a sense of how many guys are out. And they're talking about more than a dozen players out right now. It's way too many for a training camp that, frankly, hasn't been overly physical in, you know, this 2021-style training camp. So, uh, you hope you can keep that health heading toward the regular season. The thing we keep hearing from Matt Nagy over and over again is that the priority is week one. Aside from Tevin Jenkins, you're not really worried about players missing uh, the opener to this point, but we also got to get closer to September 12th and see what the injury report looks like then. But, Kristen, how do you – how do you – why give Andy Dalton all that time, and how do you effectively evaluate Justin Fields? You know, he can run away from players who – you know, when he talked about how slow the game was instead where, where people expected a faster NFL game, he probably faced faster teams in Clemson and Alabama than he faced against the Dolphins scrubs. So if what you're saying is true, then Matt Nagy is trying to split the baby. And that's I don't see how that works. How do you get a good feel for Andy Dalton? How do you let Justin Fields get valuable snaps more than just snaps. How does this work? It's a delicate balance, Rosie. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you look to the other sidelines and the Bills are keeping their MVP candidate, Josh Allen, out of this game. Like, they're doing the wise thing because they know Josh Allen doesn't need these reps. I would probably argue what you're saying, that Andy Dalton doesn't need these reps as much. Uh, but they want to get him some opportunity in a game-like situation with the first-team uh, offense and with his top targets and with the guys that – the Bears hope they can find that kind of functionality with moving forward into the regular season. Uh, I guess the best way to answer this is I feel like it's Matt Nagy trying to adjust to what he believes were flaws from the past of holding out starters in the preseason. Like he didn't value the preseason a couple of years ago, and then his team came out slow, and you could see they were lacking the rhythm. I don't think those things were necessarily related, but Matt Nagy seems to believe it. Uh, ultimately, uh, the reps that are most important are what you produce in practice and creating the game-like situations back at Hallis Hall instead of Soldier Field. So I'm with you. I, I think it's probably more of a risk uh, when you can't put the orange jersey on a starting quarterback and tell the Bills today or the Dolphins last week, don't hit our guy. Like, he's going to get hit. Uh, you're taking that kind of risk. It's an unnecessary risk, but the preseason's still here, and the coach has kind of got to navigate through it. Our guest is Chris Emma. I should say my guest is Chris Emma. I'm doing solo Saturday suckage. Mark Rohde is out at Soldier Field patrolling the sidelines. And one of the things that um, Groats tweeted out, as you mentioned uh, something else, Chris, that, that Sean Desai, the new defensive coordinator, will be on the sidelines instead of in the booth. 
I don't know if he talked about that this week, and I don't know. I, I imagine he's doing it so he can get a feel for what is the game speed if I'm making these calls. Where do I get a better view? What do I see more? Has he talked about one his preference for that and going through the preseason, choosing one or the other? Yeah, Rosie, he hasn't yet. And I was very curious about that myself because watching on the sidelines of practice, Sean Desai is very animated. Like he, you know, I think you have probably uh, misidentified him because he's such a bright guy and you think he might be a little bit more relaxed and composed and go through the process throughout these practices. But he's the loudest guy on the field. Like he's there on the sidelines. He's pumping up with his players. He's more animated than any of his predecessors were. Uh, I think he's probably more comfortable being on the sidelines because he wants to have that kind of dynamic with his players more than prioritizing being up in the box and seeing everything take place. Uh, I'm not sure if he's made that decision solidified going forward to the regular season, but uh, I think he's probably feeling it out. He's been in the booth in the past with the defensive assistants and, you know, first as a quality control assistant, then the safeties coach and, He's had that perch that's comfortable, but the thing you lose is having that dynamic on the sidelines with your guys. So uh, he also has a bunch of assistants that he really trusts will be up there in the box and able to be the eyes for him from the top of the stadium. So uh, I think he'll probably lean toward being on the sidelines, but you know, today's going to be an interesting test for him. He's going to go full Fangio. We always saw pictures of Vic Fangio in, in the booth and that's where he preferred to see the, the field that way. I think that's, ultimately the way he's going to go. But again, like you said, whatever he feels most comfortable with and whatever the best connection is with. I uh, About his defense, 815 texter to the uh, scores text line, 312-644-6767, suggests the Bears put Allen Robinson on defense today. He could just stand on the sideline and let Mitch throw him the ball for a turnover. That's from Mailman Nuts, one of our one of our regular mail carriers. We love our letter carriers. We love our mailmen. So, what what would it say if the Bears' defense can't dominate Mitch Trubisky? It would uh, certainly be a cause for alarm for this fan base. I know that much. I I thought it was funny talking to Eddie Jackson this week, and he and Mitch were tight because they came up in the same draft class and. Uh, somebody, I believe it's our colleague Pat Finley, asked Eddie Jackson if it brings some closure for Mitch coming back to Soldier Field. And Eddie Jackson laughed and said, it better not be closure, closure facing this defense. Like, the defense wants to show him up just as much as Mitch wants to have a big day. Uh, I spoke with some people in Buffalo who believe that it could be a wide-open offense for Mitch. I think Brian Dable, the Bills offensive coordinator and play caller, wants to give Mitch his day in the sun. I don't think it's going to be a really buttoned-up offense for him. I think he's going to throw the ball a lot today. I think the Bills are committed to giving him that opportunity because he is the backup. Uh, you know, it's not Josh Allen. You're not as horribly worried about risking him out there. I think the Bills want to give Mitch his opportunity, and, yes, that means opportunities for the Bears' defense, too. Yes, it does. <laughs> Chris Emma's Chris, Chris my guest on Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. So if, if – if the Bears aren't releasing information in actives, nobody's there, nobody's playing, are they releasing in any kind of starting lineup? Do we know who the starting offensive tackles are? It, it do warm-ups, will, uh, do it, warm-ups tell us anything? I've not been able to get a sense of that. I do know Jason Peters is likely out today just because he just got to the field a couple of days ago. You'll probably see him next week in Nashville for that preseason finale. Look for Larry Borum at last tackle today. They, they want to give him an opportunity uh, Thursday, they had a lighter practice at Hallis Hall, but they rotated the three of them. It was Peters, Borum, and Elijah Wil- uh, Wilkinson. 
And those are your three options at left tackle right now. I'd be stunned if it wasn't Jason Peters going into week one, barring an injury of some sort. Like, you, you sign him to this deal. You're bringing nine-time Pro Bowler off the street. He's going to be your starting left tackle. Uh, and then on the right side, uh, they're kind of still figuring that one out. Uh, Jermaine Ofsetti eventually should be back off the pup list. Uh, they've been kind of working through some options there. So, uh, yeah, uh, it won't be your starting line necessarily. I'm curious if James Daniels is out there today. Uh, he's kind of been nursed back to uh, off the injury list. Uh, he's had a limited role the last couple of days, but he says that he's healthy and ready to go. Uh, Alex Barsh has been playing well at that right guard spot with Daniels' sideline. He's also been able to rotate to the right side as well. So, uh, And then they give Latavius Simmons and Arlington Hambright some opportunities too. So it's still your mix and mash. Uh, we'll see how it looks closer to week one, but uh, I think you'll see a lot of different guys out there today. One last question, Chris. Appreciate your time. And, uh, and, and before the game, it will, be, it will determine field position. The Bears special teams were just – I don't know how apoplectic Chris Tabor was – all week. I don't know what came out. I don't know what bodies might be changed, but what can, what do you expect? What can be, what should be different? How might this be different? I mean, the special teams were just not special. Yeah, they were, uh, they were quite unspecial last Saturday. And, you know, frankly, I don't have a reason why it'll be monumentally better, but I say that because this is a really tough time for a special teams coordinator. You're trying to iron out the rest of your roster, uh, the rest of your depth chart, and you're kind of just plugging guys into spots and see if they're able to stick on special teams. Uh, it's really notable, if, especially if you want to look at like this wide receiver position, for example, where you're trying to iron out through some competition who are going to be the guys filling out the depth chart and who's not going to make this roster. If you want to pay attention to special teams, look at the guys who are out there and doing a good job. Like if there's a guy who's a receiver and might be fighting for a spot on the depth chart and has a costly penalty, that's something that might cost him down the road. Um, you're trying to figure out the rest of this roster and the rest of this depth chart, and, and special teams is such a key spot of that. But for now, it's a lot of headaches for Chris Tabor. Chris, I appreciate your time. We look forward to your reports throughout the day and throughout the week about the Bears. So it's Bears-Bills, top of the hour. Thanks. Take care. All right, Chris Emma, score reporter, live from Soldier Field before the Bears take on the Bills. And who knows? Well, we, the mystery tackles, then see mystery receivers. We don't know if Andy Dalton's going to get more time to throw to guys that aren't going to be starting for him. I don't, I just don't understand how you, how you do this, what you're trying to do. It seems like Matt Nagy said, all right, our guys are going to play a lot. They're going to go deep. And now they may not play. Well, you got to pick a lane. You're going to play your guys. You're going to let it go. You're going to risk the injury that you wouldn't risk the first two years. And it was understandable. You didn't want to risk it the first two years. Your, your offense might have been a little off. And you used the first four games of the regular season as a preseason. You're trying to find a rhythm. Now you want to get that early. You got two new quarterbacks. And you may not, as Chris Emma said, you may not play. Oh, you may not see a lot of Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney. And that means if you're going to see Javon Wims, I have to ask why. I, I don't know. I, is, are you, you have to fill a void in dumbass penalties. So, well, we'll see. I don't know how Matt Nagy does it. I don't know if he believes in the preseason. I don't know if he believes in giving his guys a chance. But football coaches tend to justify everything. And, and they'll find a way to do that, and they'll all come out and think it's just the greatest thing ever, and nobody's going to believe it.
So we talked bears for the first two segments. Thank you for suffering through solo suckage. This is when the Wake and Bake Club really becomes your friend. Uh, last night, the White Sox won a game. They won a big game. They won a fantastic game. They won a fireworks kind of game, even though it wasn't at home. And the man of the moment says the moment is never too big. I want to talk about Tim Anderson after this. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Mark Rohde's on the sidelines of Soldier Field. It's solo suckage. Thank you for tolerating me. I'm sucking so you don't have to. I think you figured that out already. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago Sports Station. Big 3-2 here from Chagua. Anderson drives it into left center field. Kiermaier's back. It's gone. Tim ties the ball game on a 3-2 pitch leading off the ninth. I'm top of the 11th. I'm sorry. I got it all mixed up. I thought we were going to hear his his single. Went with the other way. Tim Anderson, hero, hero. And he would say in the post game after the White Sox won, blew a lead, and tied it up on Anderson's home run. You just heard 5-5, five, five, won 7-5, beat Tampa Bay. So the, the argument that Sox can't be good teams is really taking a hit this week with three out of four against the A's and winning in Tampa Bay. And after the game, Tim Anderson said, the moment is never too big. Asked about, okay, so game tying homer in the ninth on a real bad slider. And then game winning RBI in the 11th on another slider that wasn't as bad. And, and he went with it and he hit it where it was and he hit it where he should have hit it. So he ends up three for six. Leadoff man scores four runs. Two are drove in two runs. And that Neo slide through the matrix at home plate. So of course, Saturday suckage being what it is, and we suck so you don't have to, I immediately embraced recency bias. And I said, well, isn't this your MVP candidate? What's his value as MVP? Let's talk about him as MVP. We haven't talked about him as MVP. So I started with the idea without looking anything up and said, well, I know he's more valuable than Otani because Anderson's team is a contender and Otani's is not. That's the first thing I use to break down a, somebody, a, a candidate for most valuable player. The Angels are a 500 team. They're eight and a half games and four teams out of the second wild card spot, the White Sox are winning their division. They're going to win it. They're up double figures. It's 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 big. So we, I say, how valuable is Otani when they could miss the playoffs with him or without him? The thing what Otani's doing, what we saw every time they propped up Mike Trout and and most notably on Andre Dawson, MVP for a last place team is ridiculous. If you want to call the award the most outstanding player, that's fine. But to give an MVP to a guy whose team isn't in contention, or in Dawson's case, a last-place team, it's like, how valuable could he be? They'd finish last with him. they finish last with him. They could finish last without him. If you want to give out a separate award, most outstanding player, then it's Otani, unanimously. His 7.3 total F4 is two full games better than Vlad Guerrero. 
No one has done what Otani's doing. Home runs, pitching, strikeouts. To me, the word valuable connotes something different. And I'm allowed to, you know, if I were a voter, and I did vote one time for an NHL Awards about uh, 35 years ago, and I did it one year and hated it because uh, Mario Lemieux had like 199 points and I didn't put him on my ballot because, again, valuable. They, I don't, they didn't make the playoffs and... and how much about more valuable could he have been? You want to talk about best player? No question. That was him. No question. Otani's the best player. He's doing things we can't imagine. We've never imagined. We're lucky to see. So what's, by my definition, what's Tim Anderson's value as most valuable player? His F-war is 3.5, which in the American League ties him for 17th. It actually puts him behind teammate Carlos Rodon's 4.1. Anderson's also a game or more behind the likes of Vlad Guerrero, Mark Semyon, Xander Bogarts, Carlos Correa. So those are guys on teams that are playoff teams or playoff contenders have a legitimate shot with this much time to go. And interestingly, the Correa on baseballreference.com is the ranks fourth on Anderson's similarity scores. So Anderson might have to settle for being the face of baseball, which is not a bad thing. That's what Joe Buck described him as uh, on, the, on the score here with Parkins and Spiegel. And I'm all in favor of that because he's that guy. But could he also be, you know, could he also be the Sox version of Derek Jeter? I don't know if Sox fans don't want to hear that. I don't know if it's her- it's probably heresy in New York to say anybody's Jita. Nobody's Jita. But I made the comparison, and and I you get forget counting stats. Their careers are Jeter's career's over, and Anderson's is is five years in, six years in. But in averages, Jeter's on base percentage is 377. Anderson's 312. Anderson doesn't walk. Anderson slugs better than Jeter. Jeter's OPS plus is 115, Anderson's is 104. Anderson's defensive war is 3.2 compared to Jeter's minus 9.4. So, I there's something to be said there, and that's the con, another contribution you can make. And I guess the comparison, again, recency bias, is about sort of a legend, sort, sort of a leader. The White Sox have... Whatever swag there is, there's it starts with Tim Anderson, the bat flipping, the 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 hand gestures, the the but the legend of the clutch plays. So you go back eight was eight eight days ago, whatever it was, the Field of Dreams game that ended like the natural, with all of the fireworks, clutch home run, home run into the corn, and it ends. So the Field of Dreams game ends thanks to Tim Anderson, like the natural all the fireworks and I don't know if if he ever lives up if Tim Anderson ever gets to live up to that Hall of Fame legendary status he needs to well they certainly White Sox certainly have to win some World Series I don't think you know I don't know maybe one does it maybe it doesn't I don't know how you how voters where they most baseball voters Hall of Fame voters tend to look at it as individual as they can. And again, like I look at the the most valuable player, my interpretation, I look at the Hall of Fame as, did your team win? 
It's not a deal breaker, but I want to know. Did your team win? How important were you to that team winning? And then I'll go and compare players and I'll look at what he did and, and how that how that affected those teams, how the, how much of a force he was. Was a guy, another criteria criterion you'll hear people use is was he the dominant player at his position in that era? And obviously Anderson's got time to prove that in his career. You could argue that Jeter wasn't the dominant guy and he got a big bump from New York, but Jeter would Jeter was clutch. As and I'm sure there are a whole bunch of stats that tell me there's no such thing as clutch. He wasn't really clutch. That's not clutch. No, 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 no. All right. Uh, big hits, big moments, and a guy like Tim Anderson who says he's not afraid of big moments. That's what made me think of Jeter because there was never a big moment where I saw him cower. We saw him a lot in October. I would like to see Tim Anderson a lot in October. I think that part of the legend grows. And whether it's an award or not, I do think the only thing Tim Anderson cares about is that trophy at the end, win your last game, and so much better if they win their last game the way they they won the Field of Dreams game with Anderson hitting that home run. I think it's that's where you make that's really where you make your you you sear your name into into Hall of Fame voters their minds, their the the ballots in the future. I just think that's that's where it grows. That's the way I look at them. For the White Sox, he's Jeter was that kind of guy for the Yankees, and there's no reason that Anderson can't be that for the White Sox. But it's a team game, no matter how individual baseball is. You're still going to need your teammates. You're still going to need the pitching. You're going to need to play defense. You're going to need hits, and and you're going then you got a chance. So that was it. That was my dive on my recency bias, and I I admit it from the start. But it was something to do to see where he stood. 3.5 war is a nice little, nice little thing. There are better, and he's got a little less than two months to go. I came across something else this week. Speaking of Hall of Fame, Joey Votto should be going to the Hall of Fame. Analytics really helped Joey Votto. He got his 2,000th hit this week, and I find Doggy Votto is the best Joey Votto. He was asked, after he got his 2,000th hit, about the ball from his first major league hit, and this was his answer. Yeah, I was asked today, um, what did, what they were talking about what I'm going to do with the 2,000th hit, and I said, I was just, we were teasing one another, and I said, my, first, my very first hit I gave to my dog to eat. And, you know, that it doesn't exist. You know, Maris, he passed away last year, but he was a young dog. And uh, I just wanted him happy. And maybe it wasn't a good thing to give him. I, I don't know if you should be giving dogs baseballs, but I did at the time. And uh, the first, my very first major league hit doesn't exist anymore. It's, it's, it was chewed up and spit out by him. And uh, he loved it, by the way. But, um, yeah, I... I, I if, if I'm honest with you, if he was still alive, I'd probably give him the 2,000th ball to, to chew up. I don't know, actually. I take that back. I don't know if that'd be good for his gut. I, prob I probably wouldn't do that. Yeah. 
Uh, one more thing. Let me say one more thing. I didn't. I was young and I didn't know, so it wasn't like I was intentionally to the the dog lovers out there. I don't think anybody. I mean, Rob, I, I took great care of Maris. Great care of Maris. So like, I, it was a mistake at the time, and I knew better after somebody told me, "Hey, don't give your dog a baseball." And I learned quickly, so it wasn't a habit of ours. It's lots of fetch and food twice twice a day. I, I I took great care of my dog. Okay, I loved him. <laughs> Doggy Votto is the best Votto. He named his dog Maris. I love that. He named his dog Maris. And if you don't give dogs baseballs, you never would have had the movie The Sandlot. One of them. I I adore that movie. I think that's terrific. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, um, there was a question that went around Twitter recently. What's the most disrespectful thing a coach said to you? And one answer I saw was, after we lost a game, our coach told us it was his fault. His fault for recruiting us. We'll talk to the guy who tweeted that out. And he's got Cub connections. We'll do that next. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.